Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Pooch Parenting Podcast. Today we talk with Mary Stomp from Mary's Angels Dog Training about clicker training basics. What is it? Why does it work? And why is it such a great strategy for families to use with their dogs when training? Hi, Mary. I'm so happy you're here. This is happy, happy to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, you're a perfect person to be here today because first of all, you know that I love you. And second of all, I think that um, in the past when you and I have collaborated on um, clients and when we troubleshoot together, I really like how you explain things. And I feel like you would be a perfect addition for my people. So thank you. Yes. So Mary runs Mary's Angels Dog Training, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, um, but I'm so pleased to know her and so pleased that she's here with us today. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, I own Mary's Angels Dog Training. Um, I've been uh, an assi- I was assistant dog trainer. Um, I was an assistant dog trainer for like the last 17 years. About three years ago, I started my own dog training business. Um, I interned with uh, a few famous dog trainers while I was in college, and uh, my study in college for my bachelor's degree was um, a focus on animal behavior and neurobiology um, and under the broader animal biology sect. Hmm. Cool. That's good. So you truly appreciate how these days we really look to science as a way to support what kinds of dog training strategies we should be using so that we're not wasting time on using, you know, negative strategies that aren't actually teaching the dog or building nice relationships with our dogs, but instead that we use strategies that are a lot more positive in nature. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. So you are um, Karen Pryor trained, which means that you understand, you know, is their focus, they say they're clicker training, but it's really just training, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, um, uh, the Karen Pryor certification program focuses a lot on combining book learning with practical experience. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the entire time that you're taking the course, you're not just learning, you are actually practicing with a dog that you have to take through the course with you. And Mm -hmm. it's a six to eight month program, depending on which time of the year you take it in. And um, you have to practice a, or you have to pass a practical exam uh, showing that you've trained your dog. You have to practice or pass a practical exam showing that you have, uh, are capable of teaching a class of multiple people. Mm -hmm. And you have to uh, pass a written exam and all of those uh, tests you have to pass with a 90% or better. Wow, that's really good. I love that rigor because you can't you can't just scrape by them. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Okay. You feel confident in the other trainers that have the certification too. Yes. I think that's actually really super that you it it's a nice uh, 
what would you say, measuring stick, I guess, of like, you know, somebody that you would choose to work with versus somebody that you wouldn't in terms of credentialing. I think that's really good. Um, okay. So let's talk about how clicker, what clicker training even is, how it's different or not from any other kind of dog training. Like what is the clicker for and how could our families use it in their work with their dogs? Yeah. So, um, the history of the clicker, uh, it was originally a method used to train dolphins. Uh, they used a whistle instead of a clicker because the dolphins couldn't hear the clicker. But you can't be forceful with a dolphin. It can swim faster than you can and you can't <laughs> use the water with them. So uh, they had to find a way to communicate with the animal when they had done something correct and when they had done something that would earn them food because they rewarded them with fish. <laughs> and so uh, from there, they've been able to adapt the method, uh, which is called marker training, uh, to train a various, excuse me, thank you, uh, which is a uh, way to communicate to various animals um, that they have done the correct thing and have earned a reward of some kind, which okay. be treats, it might be pets, it might be a toy. Um, so a marker is just an instantaneous thing that the animal can perceive mm -hmm. that they are then able or that then is paired with food or a reward of some kind to let the animal know that they have done something correct and earned a reward. Uh, so with a deaf dog, you wouldn't use a clicker, often we'll use a thumbs up instead. And because it's something they can see that they don't have to hear. Um, yeah. With dolphins, we use a whistle because they can't hear lower pitched sounds. Right. With, uh, some some people will use a particular word for a dog, like mm -hmm. a, like a yip or a check. Yeah. So a particular tone of voice that allows the dog to know that's what it is. All of these things are markers, but the marker we use for clicker training is a clicker. So this is a Karen Fryer eye click. Yeah. Okay, I have one of those here in my desk, actually. Yes. For twinsies. Perfect. Uh, so I like the iClick because it's so easy to push the button. No matter what finger you use, you can use it. You can put it in your pocket and hit the button. Oh, yeah. Um, other clickers, the uh, button is more re recessed and it's harder to hit. Yes. So I find this really helpful, especially with uh, my clients that have arthritis or something and they're not as mobile mm -hmm. um, or uh, if they're less able to um, uh, less able to access uh, the clicker or have very large fingers. I've had a couple of men with very large fingers who had yeah. trouble getting down press buttons and i've even seen that some people have because there's this thing on the end that some people have like a little um like a bracelet thing that they yeah. slip it around their bracelet i've even seen some people have a little a little ring with the little button on it and i and i've heard some people um including denise fenzi which surprised me um, since she, her hands were sometimes busy or full because she does bite work with her dog, that she does a mouth kind of a yeah. click. Yeah, you want to do it double. Uh, dog then, because if they're used to a clicker, oh, you want it to sound. is a double sound. So let me click and treat my dog because I don't want him to think right. I'm not treating him. So oh, right. You have to do a because it's a down and up, right? Oh, that's a good point. Okay. 
Um, and so the purpose of a clicker is that it is a unique sound that they don't hear in everyday life. Okay. Uh, and so uh, it's something that's difficult to replicate. Um, you can with your mouth, you can with a piece of metal, uh, which is what clickers really are, is a piece of metal that bends and then bends. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, it's not something that the dog is going to, it's not a noise that a car is going to make. It's not a noise that your kids are going to make when they are, uh, you know, playing or when, uh, if they are, you know, excited at a sports game and shouting, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's, uh, and yeah. if your dog thinks that yes is their marker word. Yeah. I know. do use the word yes. <laughs> I think it's how I say it. And yeah. I don't, like I chose yes as opposed to good or, and some people want to use good girl or good boy. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is that I talk to my dog and tell him he's a good boy all day long. I'm such a good boy. Who's such a good boy? And that's different, right? He heard yeah. the clicker here. He wants to say hi. <laughs> To his Auntie Mary, he misses you. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Best friend Pippin, too. It's your buddy. Look at your buddy. Oh, <laughs> I know. We need another play date for them to run around. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that's really neat. Okay, so it's unique sound. That's really good. Um, so how do you use it? Give me some examples of when yeah. you might use this thing. So you want to use it the exact moment that the animal does the correct thing. Okay. So, um, and it's mostly used for teaching a new behavior. It's not necessarily always used continuously. Okay. So um, when you're teaching a new behavior, like go to your bed or sit or touch or something like that, you click the moment that the dog does the right thing. It's especially okay. useful for very fast, energetic dogs. Right. So, you know, oftentimes I'll get a puppy who's just so energetic, he can't sit still. And so he'll drop into a sit and then pop right back up and come wiggling over to me. And so if you can click the exact moment that his butt touches the ground, then you've communicated, that's what I'm treating you for, not for you standing up, coming back over. Uh, okay. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think that's a really nice picture, actually, in my head to capture an item in motion at the time that they did the thing you want. And that makes me think of a study that I heard about, which I thought was so interesting that there is an Olympic diving coach mm -hmm. that was using clicker training on his divers mm -hmm. at the exact moment that they're falling through the air when their toe is pointed in just the right way or whatever, because somehow that the way their body felt at the moment that they heard that click somehow is yeah, an effective so if I can talk about neurobiology about yeah. that for a moment. Yeah. yeah. So it the sound of the click becomes so ingrained in the in the brain that it creates a mental snapshot of the sense memory. It creates a mental snapshot in the animal or person's mind of the exact moment, how they felt, what position they were in. That's why. Because it releases so many endorphins when they hear that click because they know that they've done the right thing. And it creates a, a sense memory that makes them want to repeat that in the future. And they're actually using it to teach surgeons how to hold their hands and their tools properly. And they have found, I, 
I believe I read that they found that um, uh, the surgeons that are being clicker trained are having less accidents during surgery. I love that. That just makes me so happy that um, the good teaching is good teaching, period. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether it's with a sea lion or my one of my best friends from college is a sea lion trainer. And I mm-hmm. first learned about all this stuff at the time she was calling it a bridge. So yeah. it was a bridge between the action and the feeding of it, right? It carried yeah. you over. It's a similar thing. It's the marker. And for her, they used the word good, but they say it, all their trainers, they're all women and they all say it at the same good. They all say it like that. And I hear it in my head and that's what all their sea lions are trained with that as their marker. Um, And uh, it's, it's fascinating to see how it good teaching works across any species. It doesn't matter. And that's something uh, jumping off of that. That's a great uh, segue into why a clicker because everybody in a family has different vocal ranges. So if every time that you have to teach a dog a a marker word, everybody in the family has to either learn how to say the marker word the same way at the same pitch, or they have to, uh, the dog has to then learn the marker word from every person. And so Uh. back at square zero and teach each person and teach the dog that when this person says the word yes or good, that that is the marker word for that person. And And the clicker creates an even playing field. Anybody can click. That's amazing. The same. Okay. That's interesting. I could see some kids who are a little more impulsive having issues, not going click, 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 yes. click, click, click. So then it's a better, then it's a parent. I know, I'm sure it is. So then it, it becomes a management issue or a parenting situation where you're like, okay, right. we're going to use it in this context, but not in that context. Or, you know, maybe the parent clicks when the kid is doing the training session, not the kid mm-hmm. clicking perhaps. Something else that can help is uh, using another word as a marker for your child. So uh, oftentimes I will use the word good as a marker for my clients while they are clicking. And so something that you can do is you can have a station for the clicker. So have a little box that's for the clicker and put it on a table nearby. And when you're not, and when it's not your turn to train, your clicker goes in the box Mm -hmm. and good here's a marshmallow or here's a, a chocolate chip or a, a sparkly star or something, you know, some sort of reward for the kid for putting their, uh, their clicker in the box. Because I was going to ask you that. I think you got into my head as usual, <laughs> where I was going to say, I was going to ask if you had any clicker management strategies, mm-hmm. because I do think that is a comment that one of my newer clients just made is that, she told me that the the puppy they got the breeder, I mean, yeah, the breeder that they got the puppy from mm-hmm. um, gave them a clicker and said that the puppy was used to, knew what the clicker meant and that they should right. use the clicker. But they sent them home with one clicker and they're a family of five and nobody mm-hmm. ever knew where the clicker was. And it just started to become really challenging and they couldn't be consistent about it because it wasn't a consistent experience, right? Yeah. So I like that you said that you can have a place where it lives and yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Kind of like what I do with the car keys in the garage. We have little hooks and they're yeah. supposed to go 
supposed to go on the hooks. Doesn't mean they always do. I find them on my bathroom counter all the time when a certain husband doesn't put his away, but. It can also help to have each person in the family have their own clicker and like you can colors have different something. colors. Yeah. So have their own color coded clicker um, or have clickers in various places in the house. I have a, some clients have a drawer near the front door and that's where the clicker goes because yeah. that's where they work on uh, door manners. Yeah. Letting the, letting their friends in or yeah. Putting packages and stuff like that's that. That's like me with treats all over my house. I have a jar of treats in the kitchen and a jar of treats by the front door. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense to have clickers near all of those places. Yes, exactly. Okay. This is really exciting. So what would be a fun activity that a family could do to try to get, because the timing seems to be of the essence, right? That that if you don't, especially I'm imagining now this cute wiggly puppy that you described, who's like, I cannot sit still, but I really want to please you because I'm such a happy puppy and I want to do the right thing. And I really love cookies. So I want to earn the cookies, but I just can't stop my body. So yeah. how do you help a family to learn to get their timing accurate enough that their dog actually learns when that one moment in time was that the dog did the right thing. Did that question make any yes, sense? That okay. makes perfect sense. So okay. I usually start with teaching touch or sit. Okay. Um, because the, it's very definitive when that moment is. So okay. touch is when the dog's nose touches the palm of your hand. Okay. And you have to click that exact moment you feel that cold, wet nose bump against your hand. Okay. Uh, before they pull back. That's pretty clear. That yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, I start usually start with teaching that. Okay. Uh, or uh, I will also work with a ball and have, I think I have a ball here. Um, I might have. Here. I'll, okay. I'll use. Oh, I, I have a stress ball. I have a stress ball. We could. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So okay. um, basically, your job would be. We would have two people. One okay. person's job is to toss the ball into the air. Okay. The other person's job is to click the exact moment the, that the ball hits its highest point before it falls back down. Oh, that's hard. I bet it's that's really hard. hard. Yeah. So, uh, so that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to, if, if it's a bouncy ball is to bounce the ball on the ground and you try and click the moment that the ball hits the ground. Oh, okay. Which is a little okay. bit easier than the than the highest point. Right. Yeah. So then the person throwing the ball, once you get start to get good at it, the person throwing the ball can start to sort of fake out the person who's oh. throwing. And so they can do little ones versus yeah. big ones. Exactly. And ah. so that's a really fun game for families to play together. Kids really like uh, really like throwing the ball and trying to fake out their parents. Uh, it's a lot of fun <laughs> to them. Um, of course, you want the dog in a different room for this because you don't want to, them to hear a whole bunch of clicking when they're not getting treats because then they're going to get frustrated, they're going to get annoyed, or they're going to learn to ignore the click. Ah, you, okay. you want the dog in a different room or out in the backyard or something while you're playing this game with the family to get your clicker skills nice and okay neat. so that's so that leads me then to my next clarifying question so mm -hmm. we're clicking the moment the dog does the right thing yes the click is not enough right we right. need to pay them every time every time we click is that right 
Yes, you need to pay them every time they click. And payment doesn't always need to be food. It can be a toy or it can be tug or it can be uh, pets or praise. If your dog likes that, every dog has their own preference for how they like to be rewarded. Currency, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, for some Labradors, belly rubs is a $50 bill. And uh, for other Labradors, a ball is a $50 bill. And for other Labradors, you know, it might be food. Food, 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 food if it's a lab. <laughs> Absolutely. Or water. I know. That's really interesting. I think I like that you said that. I like that you reminded us that every dog, of course, these are sentient beings with opinions. And that for some dogs, like my older dog, Barley, you know her. She's 12 and she will eat anything, practically cardboard, you know, old gross kibble, no problem. That's delicious. Yeah. Whereas Pippin, he likes food, but he is um, a little more discerning these days, which is so annoying actually, because I have found that if he doesn't find a treat valuable enough, he sometimes just doesn't want to continue the work because it's not worth it. He's like, eh. I can do without that treat. That's not so good, which is like, oh no. So then I have to figure out what he finds valuable, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the whole point of a reward is if it's not actually rewarding to that dog, then it's not a reward. Exactly. Yeah. And so a great way to test this is to take the thing that you want to reward your dog with, whether that's their kibble or a special treat or a ball or a tug toy whatever it is, and ask your dog to do the same thing three times in a row and reward with those, that, that thing. So say I want to work with Jace. Jace, come on, up. come on, come on up. No, you want to lay down on your bed? Come on, you can do it. Come on, little dog. Come on, good boy. So um, Jace here uh, likes pets. Um, but if I ask him to do something that he knows, like sit or touch three times in a row, and I only rewarded him with pets, he might start to slow down or he might look at me before he, before he cries, or he might start to vocalize or whine or rumble. Okay. Um, at, I'm not rewarding him with his usual reward, which is food. Ah. Uh. You, if you want to test if your dog likes something, ask them to do the same thing that's familiar, that's really easy for them to do three times in a row. And if you see any hesitancy, then what you're rewarding them with isn't rewarding enough. Ooh, I love that. That is a clear litmus test. And for me, I feel like sometimes the waters get muddy and I, I'm like, well, maybe. And that's a hard that's a hard sell. If it's a maybe, yeah. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah, exactly. And do you find that different, the different circumstances warrant different rewards? So for example, you're in a, in a one room of your house right now with the door closed, but I know you have cats in that house. And I suspect that if one of the cats went running by that Jace might not find that one treat so interesting anymore. So what do you do in that case? So um, I see this, that's exactly something that happens, but I see it most often when my clients uh, move from training indoors 
or in their backyard to taking the dog on leash outside their property. The real world, I say. Yeah. The moment they hit their driveway, everything goes out the window because there's so much that you're competing with. And so um, uh, Jace right now is working for his kibble, which thankfully he likes enough that he will work for it outside because he's allergic to most other things. So his kibble's all he can eat. Uh, but, um, I usually recommend that my clients have a special treat or two that they only ever use when they're off property. Uh And then they have other treats that they can use in the house and in their backyard. But those special treats are saved for especially stressful situations or especially distracting situations. Okay. So we don't want to waste our best treats in the house because that's, then we're losing the value when we really need it. Exactly. If you have a Hershey's Kiss for dessert every day, you're going to get real sick of Hershey's Kisses pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to want to get a Hershey's Kiss when you go to a, as your, your dessert and you go to a fancy restaurant. So you're okay. going to want the chocolate mousse or uh, the tapioca pudding or something else. I want a souffle, a chocolate yeah. souffle or one of those love things. Creme brulees. Oh, so good. Me too. I love creme brulee. Okay. That's really good. I am, I am finding that I am experimenting with some foods and I was on a walk with Pippin recently and none of the treats that I had in my treat pouch were adequate. And I was like, I'm the lamest dog trainer around because I don't have a single thing in this pouch that he finds worth working yeah. for. And so to make us more successful, I just had to pick him up at one point and was like, we're just going to walk together in my arms. I'm just going to carry you because yeah. I can't, I can't motivate you enough using the rewards that I have to move where I want you to go. Exactly. Um, so we're, I'm going to remove the request from, from the situation and just yeah. help. Um, so that is a really good, that's really good. So a few things and what in your experience are some examples of high value treats that your clients find their dogs um, will do anything for? Yeah. So um, I like, uh, it takes a little bit of experimenting with each individual dog because each individual dog has their own taste. I have one dog who will only you eat treats that are made of duck. Okay. Um, That's uh, a very expensive taste that dog yeah. has. And I have one dog that loves carrots to the point where carrots is the one thing they will work for. So <laughs> it takes some experimenting to find okay. what the dog likes, but the okay. thing that uh, most dogs will go crazy for is. Um, is meat. So uh, if you boil um, uh, basically any kind of meat so that you get most of the fat down and then you cut it into tiny cubes, um, I buy freeze-dried beef liver bits, Mm -hmm. which um, they have a lot of nutrients, but they're high in fat. So those are better for larger dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, For smaller dogs, I will buy the Vital Essentials mini nibs which is these tiny little bits of, it's a, a freeze-dried um, uh, beef or duck or whatever it is, but it's actually a kibble substitute. So it's a balanced oh, nice. nutritionally. Okay, good. Um, so I use that a lot. Um, and most of my clients' dogs are very fond of that. 
Oh, good. Okay. That's really nice. I do find that string cheese works well for a lot of my client dogs and my own dogs. And it's very convenient. You know, I can buy it very inexpensively and I can keep it in the freezer Mm -hmm. and then maybe take one or two sticks out at a time to use over the course of a week. But I like that it comes in its own little wrapper. So I'm not getting a disgusting greasy pocket or treat pouch or whatever. So that's kind of nice. Um, I always have a a Ziploc bag inside my treat pouch. Yeah. Christine, because I don't want to continually be washing my treat pouch. Right. Um, Mine is pretty gross. I do often literally just put my, in fact, it's in there right now. I put my entire treat pouch in the refrigerator because I don't, because I don't have Ziploc bags right now. So I just stick the whole thing in the fridge, (laughs) which is kind of ridiculous, but it works. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, There are companies that make freeze-dried cheddar cheese as well. Really? Um, Yeah. Pure Bites has freeze-dried cheddar cheese. Um, It can be, it's kind of crumbly, so it can be a little bit difficult to break it up for smaller dogs. Okay. Um, But uh, it's a lot less greasy than (laughs) than string cheese. (laughs) Well, and probably more shelf-stable because it's freeze-dried. So that's nice to know, too. Exactly. That is very cool. Okay. I feel like this has been a really good overview. I, so just to reiterate a few of the key points, the clicker is consistent so that no matter who's using it, they're getting a similar cue. Mm -hmm. We reward with food or praise or some item of value playing ball for every time that we click as the payment for doing a good job. Well done. Um, different values of treats depending on circumstances and the taste of your dog, right? They all have different opinions. Um, And then we can also practice by playing games with our kids and our spouses and whoever, our siblings, um, by playing games with balls where we could either drop it and try to click the moment that it hits the ground. I just dropped it on the dog. (laughs) I was trying to demonstrate. Um, Or by throwing it and when it hits its peak, um, trying to click. And it is harder, I have to say, it is harder than you think to get that timing mm-hmm. right. It is. And uh, one more thing that I'd like to address is some dogs, some animals are very noise sensitive. There, I do occasionally have dogs that are afraid of the clicker. Okay. So if you see any flinching or any hesitance to come to the treat after they hear the click, then get rid of the clicker. It's not for your dog. It's much more difficult to get a dog that initially reacts badly to the clicker mm. to like it than it is to, uh, to just choose a different marker. Okay. Um, so I've had a couple of clients who the dog didn't like the loudness of the clicker. And so we used the clicking of a pen. Oh, clever. Yeah. Which is a lot softer, but the dog can still hear it. Oh, that's much calmer and less piercing, actually. Exactly. That's Um, a really clever idea. um, Or, you know, use a mouth click because then you can control the volume uh, or just use a word that you can then use. As long as you're consistent, it really, the premise is the same. Exactly. Okay. This is so good. Mary, (laughs) you're so good. This is really helpful. I I think that it's really great to explain how this even happened, right? Like what is, what even is clicker training? How do you use it? How do you practice with it? And 
get the right timing. So thank you. Um, Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or clicker training? Yeah. So my website is www.marysangelsdogtraining.com. I also have a Facebook page, Mary's Angels Dog Training, where you can see videos of me training my own dog to uh, be bark less at the sound of the doorbell. That's good. Uh, See a couple of of leash training videos and other things with some of my clients. Um, And uh, I'm less active on Instagram, but I'm also on Instagram. Um, And uh, yeah. Great. Well, thank you for taking time to be here with us today. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.